We're going to have about half an hour now with uh, Peter and Angela Vincent. Do you guys want to come up? We're so privileged to have Peter and Angela amongst us. I haven't totted up the sort of combined years of experience that they have in... uh, (laughs) We know Peter's uh, sort of 30 years experience with uh, leading the team in Bishop Stortford. And uh, they've uh, very very graciously um, come alongside us and uh, offering us help and support in this season. So, yep, I'll just hand over to you guys. Thanks very much. Um, Well, Luke, brilliant this morning, helping us to... Yeah, 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 go on, go on. To kind of begin to grasp something about what it means to be the priests of God uh, today. And it's a privilege. Uh, We have an extraordinary privilege of of being able to go into his presence uh, in a way that, of course, was never possible in the Old Testament. And we've been asked this morning in this session to talk a bit about what does it look like um, moving into some more practical ways as part of that to know God's presence personally and particularly together as a gathered community. And so that's what we'll, we'll seek to do. And it struck me that one of the, I was gonna add a, add a sixth point to Luke, your conclusions, Luke, which, which will feed brilliantly into what we do want to talk about now. Brilliant. Which is that the thing that, one of the things that the, uh, the priesthood that we have does is it provides intimacy or proximity. Because, you know, when Jesus was on the cross, um, what it says, uh, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Verse 51 of Mark 20, Matthew 27. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the point is that the, in the Old Testament temple, the, there was a 70-foot high curtain which uh, prevented all the priests, apart from the high priest once a year, from entering into the very holy of holies, which was deemed to be the presence of God where the ark was kept, etc., etc. And, um, and when Jesus was on the cross, that curtain of separation was torn into, what does the Bible say? From top to bottom, actually. So who tore it? Had to be God. And the significance of that in terms of the access that the death of Jesus created for us into the very presence of God. Not some kind of remote stand back in the outer courtyard, you know, who knows how far back, if you're a Gentile, but if you're a Jew a bit closer, if you're a priest a bit closer, if you're a high priest once a year and you've done all the necessary preparations, once a year you can go into the very presence of God. No, no, no. The curtain's torn in two. We get to go right in any time we like. Because once and for all, Jesus has done it. That sacrifice has been paid. That's... And it's the consequences of that that we then are able to live in as individuals knowing, able to know an intimate relationship with very God himself, individually and together. And I think God is wanting to lift your faith for that and to wipe away whatever you might personally carry that causes you to hesitate and think, oh, maybe I'm not quite worthy. I'm not quite clean enough. Actually, I, I sinned yesterday or I sinned this morning. Do you know what? So do we all. It's, it's actually not relevant. Because the curtain's been torn in two. The price has been paid. And as we put our faith in Christ, the way is open. Um, I'm just going to share one or two stories. We, we were asked to share some stories. I think, hope that will be helpful. What we're not trying to say to you is, we've got it all. 
and you haven't at all because do you know what? We've experienced the presence of God together last night, this morning, at other times when we've been amongst you. God is with you, okay? So please hear our heart in that. Okay, I don't need to say more about that. Just share one or two stories yeah, and I'll, I'll do the same. That intimacy that Peter's talking about, we've, we value it, don't we? Probably not enough. But for people who don't know God yet, it, it is impacting. So I'm going to tell a few stories of, of um, people coming to know God because of sensing his presence. So I remember... Um, yeah, so recent newcomers on our, in our church meeting on a Sunday morning, um, just saying, I, I don't know what's happening, but I keep crying. What's going on? You know, every time I come here, I keep crying. Mm. Um, and you can point them then, well, you're actually sensing the presence of God. It's something different that maybe you haven't experienced in this way before. Do you want to get to know him? Um, I remember um, neighbours of ours, Peter and Marion, and um, they'd been told by their son who'd become a believer you need to go to community church and find out what what it is that I now um, believe and love so they did come along and uh, and they kept crying and they said we don't know what's going on and then they said there's something here and they were absolutely right and so you're able to say yeah it's it's God you're sensing God here and you can meet him and over a couple of weeks they had uh, he had a prophetic dream where God spoke to him about said oh Angela, I had a dream about um, some dodgy videos I've got. And I felt like I need to get rid of them when I woke up. Do you think that's God? Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Anyway, so yeah, they became Christians. Um, a friend of ours, dear friend, who, uh, whose wife was a believer, and he started coming sometimes on a Sunday morning. Just during the worship, he realised... I need to give my life to this God. He's worth following. Mm. He's worth living my life for. So he got saved in the worship. Um, I remember meeting two women who wandered into our foyer one day and they were looking at some literature and stuff and um, got chatting and one of them said, um, it's really good energy here. And I went, yeah, yeah, I think I know what you mean. It turned out they were spiritualists and they came back to this thing and said, yeah, it's really good energy here. And so I said, yeah, we call him Holy Spirit. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> I was able to tell him a bit more. Um, so we, we've, like you, you get this sense, don't you? You know that God's with you all the time, but you also get this sense sometimes that He's very present. I think you're going to talk a bit more yeah, about yeah, that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, some of you will know of Julian Adams, who's um, a prophetic voice, um, more more and more widely known. He is he's accurate. Uh, he loves God. Uh, he hears from God. We remember a turning point in the life of our church when I think it was the first time he came and spent some time with us. And the thing that stuck in all of our minds was he said, here there's a residential anointing. And he was talking about the presence of God, not as a visitor, but as God who wants to live with us, to be permanently living with us, empowering us, meeting us in that intimate place. And so those words of residential anointing have lived with us. And I think just putting words to it has helped us to be more aware of valuing God's presence, looking after him well, not wanting to, um, to get in the way of hosting his presence well. 
Um, shall I tell a story about the keyboard? Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, thinking about God residentially living with us all the time, and yet we know that there are times when he comes close. There was, there was one point when <laughs> Peter was leading a meeting. I can't remember what was going on. And he said to me, Angela, have you got something to play? On, because on, on I was keys? sensing that probably that was the right thing to do, obviously. And I looked blank. <laughs> so, no. Marital moment yeah, in yeah. public. Yeah, yeah. So I said, no. And he went, no, I think you have. <laughs> oh, okay. So I wandered up to the keyboard, found, found a nice pad, pressed one note. And something happened. And it didn't take skill to press that note, but it did take obedience. And there was something about it, Peter sensing God wants to come to be more present somehow in that moment. Me going, all right, I'll do it. And he, yeah, it was yeah, a special moment. It was. Yeah, yeah. I think that'll do. Yeah, all right, thank you. Thank you. I went to a... Uh, New Frontiers Prayer and Fasting in 1994 and some of you who have been around a long time will remember those days. Um, Terry Virgo had just come back from the States um, had been prayed with by a guy called Rodney Howard Brown um, and um, an American guy, a Canadian guy whose name is in my head, it doesn't matter um, and an outbreak of the presence of God had really broken over the church um, in the US and uh, they shared it with us at prayer and fasting I remember that there were about 300 New Frontiers full-time leaders in the room and within five minutes of beginning to pray there were two left standing and uh, we all knew something's happened um, and God wants us to know those moments when something just happened um, it won't always be like that but I went back to the church in Bishop Stortford and um, shared a little bit, not a lot of, of the outworkings of that. I didn't want to lead people by a suggestion. I wanted it to be a genuine response to whatever God was going to come and do. And I uh, don't want to tell people how to respond. And um, got partway through my message. I was actually reading the passage that morning about Gideon. And uh, I knew the Holy Spirit was saying, don't do that, just pray. And uh, so I wrestled with that a bit and then got halfway through a sentence. I remember got to give the word, I was reading the Bible, and that, and I just had to stop. And I said, I think we need to pray. Can you stand? And just ask God to come and to make himself known. And um, what means is all sorts started to happen. Um, people were crying, people were laughing, people were falling over, people, people were being delivered. Um, and... That started for us, I think, a 27-year journey now, 28-year journey, in terms of pursuing God and his presence amongst us um, in whatever ways he wants to move. Um, and that's been variable. It's not, it's not heaven on earth. Um, and uh, we get it wrong and we make mistakes and we have good Sundays and bad Sundays and good times. And think, times you think, well, what was that about? Uh, you know, so please don't get the wrong idea. What I'm saying is, something, I think God planted something in our hearts that was of a desire to seek him. Uh, when God said to Moses, um, uh, I'll come with you, 
in, in Exodus 33. And Moses said, if you don't come with us, what else will distinguish us from the rest of the peoples on the earth? And uh, that, that's been a kind of a heartbeat, I think, a desire to say, God, if you're not with us, what's the point? We might as well be a club almost, or a Christian club at the very best. Um, and so we've been pursuing him. Four fundamental truths um, to this journey. Number one, Jesus promised his spirit's presence in every believer. John 7, streams of living water will flow. I'm going to have to move quick, so bear with me. There'll be stuff on the screen. Streams of living water will flow, by which he meant the spirit, just to make sure that we couldn't misunderstand. Uh, and this is to whoever believes. So it's you as an individual today. Uh, it's not the person sitting next to you, although it is them. It's you, okay? Let's hear it personally. Streams of living water. Jesus said, he lives with you and will be in you, the promise of Jesus to believers. And so he resides. You personally have a residential anointing on you. He lives in you. And that's extraordinary. God himself, the Holy Spirit, lives inside you. He does. Just if we could just get hold of that, that is life-changing and faith-building. Because you carry him wherever you go. He's, he's, he's with you right now. I, I touch you, say, Holy Spirit, bless, I bless you, Paul, with his presence. That's real. I believe that God, just something, God just did something, just touched it. And uh, you carry him. Number fun, second fundamental truth. God designed his church to be a community full of the spirit. If you might like to turn, it won't be there for long, but in Ephesians chapter 2, a couple of verses there. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Now, this bit, verse 21. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. He's talking about the people of God together. Verse 22. And in him, you too. And I, with all my heart, I believe this is a prophetic word for, for you as a church today. You too. Just like the Ephesians that Paul wrote to. You too, Life Church, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So it's one thing to take away, personally, he lives in you. If there's one thing to take away corporately, you are becoming a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Paul expected the presence of God in the churches. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? There it is again. 1 Corinthians 14, a, a well-known passage talking about the unbeliever hearing prophecy in the church. The secrets of his heart will be laid bare. He will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is surely among you. And don't we want that? Foundational truth number three, God is omnipresent. The heavenly beings in Isaiah 6 declare this, the whole earth is filled with his glory. That is true. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. It's also true that God is sometimes very present. 
And that's the best way I can describe it. In the Old Testament, we have Exodus 33:22. God says to Moses, when Moses says, show me your glory, and God says, when my glory passes by, I will hide you in a cleft in the rock. So there's this dynamic of the God gonna come so close to Moses that he has to be hidden in order to survive. In James chapter four, verse eight, the apostle writing to the church says, draw near to God and what? He will draw near to you. Now I did some research on that and the root of that word actually means to, to squeeze. So there's this, this idea of drawing near, of, of squeezing something, of, of approaching, the same words used to approach Bethage in the New Testament. So this whole idea of the extraordinary idea of, of not only us drawing near to God, but God drawing near to us in response. We move, he moves. We take a step, he takes a step. That's, that's the clear understanding there. God's heart is to draw near and he calls us to draw near. Angela had a personal experience years ago where she felt God calling her to spend a bit of time with him and the presence of God became so strong she said, I, I, I just had to get under the table. Extraordinary. But the presence of God is a theme of scripture and we were opening it up this morning a little bit earlier about God's presence in the garden with Adam and Eve, God's presence in the tabernacle. Um, do you know God was present in the camp of Israel in Numbers 2.2, it says the Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting. And I've got a, a slide, if you, yeah. Um, that's a, a representation of how Numbers instructs them to camp. And, and the tent of meeting was right in the center. It says something about the heart of God. He wants to be central to the people of God. Of course, in the temple, we know about, we, we've spoken a little bit about that. But even in exile, it, they remembered it. Arise, shine, Isaiah says, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Even then, it wasn't forgotten, the presence of God amongst his people. And then, of course, in the New Testament, the temple curtains torn down and access into the very presence of God was made available to us all. So the presence of God runs right through the theme of through Scripture. There is a theme. And then into the New Testament, we have this promise of the Holy Spirit from Jesus that we've already referred to in us personally. The church received the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. Um, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, um, Paul says to the Corinthians. Jesus says, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to who? To those who ask him. Have you asked him lately? Have you asked him lately? Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, go on being filled with the Spirit. It's a very, very regular prayer of mine saying, God, fill me with your Spirit again. I need more of you. I need to come back to you. I need to drink of you again. And then in Scripture, in the church together, we've referred to one or two of those verses already. You know, you don't just have a temple. You are the temple, both personally and together. But if God is more evidently present sometimes than others, how do we receive and host the Spirit's presence personally and amongst us together? I've got 12 points, okay, and I've got 11 minutes, so that's approximately one per point. I'll spend a little bit more time on the first three, and then I will almost list really the, the others. We'll make some comment. Number one, 
draw near to God personally and go on being filled. I mean, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? Um, that the more we do this, the more we spill over, his presence kind of spills out of us um, and we carry him with us all the time. A writer to the Hebrews says, let us draw near to God. And that's part of my encouragement to you today. Nobody else can do that for you. Nobody else can do that for you. But the way is open, you are accepted. There's nothing to stop you knowing the reality of God's presence. Jesus has dealt with everything that needed to be dealt with. What does it mean to go on being filled, to to play our part in these drinking, the streams of living water? I think the kind of things that has evolved for me over the years has been uh, frequent private prayer. Um, You're personally asking God. Uh, Some extended times, and you have to be really deliberate about setting those aside. Um, I understand that for me, having been in full-time Christian leadership for a very long time, I have the privilege of being able to schedule like retreats and stuff, and I've done that like once a term for years, three or four days, um, until the pandemic and all the rest of it. Um, but um, for you, it won't look like that, but it, it can look like something. A good friend of ours who uh, follows God with all his heart, um, he, uh, as a school teacher, primary teacher with three young kids, um, he and his wife made an agreement that uh, once a week he would have time, an evening on his own with God. And he said, I'll look after the kids. You know, once we've had tea, go, it's your evening with God. Uh, as a sacrifice for her to do that, but that was what they did. And wow, did it bear fruit. Um, sometimes extended times, I've been prayed for, laying on of hands multiple times um, with varied results. Um, Sometimes you know, I, the Bible's come alive. Uh, sometimes nothing appears to have happened, but then I realize later it has. Sometimes spiritual gifts, sometimes tongues. Sometimes um, I, I feel kind of heavy, heaviness. And I, thought, I used to wonder, what, what's, why, is, why is that? Um, and particularly in my hands. I, and when, when the presence of God is kind of getting stronger, I, I kind of feel my hands getting heavy. And then I realized that one of, the weight, one of the words in the Old Testament where it talks about the glory of God can also be translated as the weighty presence. Oh, okay. That kind of makes sense. Um, I'm just, these are little triggers to identify and recognize uh, when God's kind of coming closer. Of course, our bodies can get affected. Um, for me, sometimes my kind of body jerks as if I've plugged into electricity. Um, I don't know, you know, like I said, I don't know why that happens. It's his power, it's his presence, it's, it's a reality to that. Um, sometimes the peace of God comes, sometimes tears come. Um, sometimes um, he comes dealing with healing of the heart. Um, I've known all of these things on multiple occasions. We could talk more about that. Um, I've been knocked off my feet and I've had nothing apparently happen. So a complete range. Um, I remember one time spending four days on retreat in a flat in Oldborough and uh, I lay on the floor for hours, for, for days, and nothing seemed to happen. And then right at the end, um, I was saying to God, I, I guess you have been here. What's all this been about? And he spoke to me with a verse of scripture. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And I suddenly knew, okay, that's what it was about. My strength's been renewed. And I had faith to know, oh, actually, that's what God's been doing. And that's fine. That's fine. That's what I needed. 
whether it's the fireworks or whether it's the peace and the tranquility or whatever it is, it's always good. He's always good. And so let's keep pursuing him. So how do we receive and host the Spirit's presence? The number one is draw near to God personally and go on being filled with the Spirit. That's foundational, okay. Number two, put relationships right where necessary, between you particularly or with others in your life. Uh, It's always incumbent upon us to do everything we can to make every effort as far as it's possible to us to be reconciled to anybody that we're out of relationship with. Jesus taught it in Matthew 5 and Matthew 18, both ways round. If somebody's got something against you or if you've got something against somebody, it's your responsibility to take the initiative and go to them. You can read the passages for yourselves. But if there's an issue, it's always our job to take the initiative and to seek reconciliation. Sometimes that's really hard work and I have had to go to one particular person. I tried 10 times to say, now come on, we we need to talk, don't we? There's there's something, there's a problem here. And it wasn't until after the 10th time, after six months of trying, that there was an agreement to talk and God did give us grace and breakthrough. This is quite a few years ago now and that person is still a valued member of our church community. But boy, was that hard work. But sometimes that's what you have to do. Put relationships right. The psalmist says this, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. There, that is where the Lord commands the blessing is the last verse of that psalm, even life forevermore. It's really important we pay attention to that. Number three, exalt Jesus in worship. You know, when we exalt Jesus in worship, it somehow attracts the presence of the Spirit. And actually that's biblically understandable. John 16, 14, Jesus said, the Spirit will bring glory to me. John 17, verse one and verse five, Jesus prays for the Father to glorify the Son. Verse 10, glory has come to me through them, that's the disciples. So there's this theme of the rightness of glory being brought to Jesus. And there's something that the Holy Spirit loves. We know, don't we, very well that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. We've kind of been taught that quite well. Well, if he can be grieved, he can also be pleased. (laughs) He's a person. He's not some sort of inanimate object floating around in the sky. He is a person called God. And, uh, And so as we please him by putting our relationships right, as we please him by exalting Jesus with all our hearts, he's pleased to dwell amongst his people. And of course, glorifying Jesus reflects the, revelation, the worship of heaven. If you read in Revelations 5, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive honor, glory, and praise is the refrain of the heavenly host. And so we're kind of accompanying heaven when the content of our worship, and particularly this is relevant to the choice of songs that we sing, is Jesus exalting and God exalting and magnifying him for who he is as God, as distinct from thanking him for what he's done for me and how good he makes me feel. Okay as that is, but let's not, start or major on that, let's start with exalting him for who he is. Because whatever he does or doesn't do in our lives, he's still worthy of worship because he's God. And so that is our rightful starting point. Did you notice that last night, 
when we were worshiping Jesus together, the whole thing changed when we went into all hail the lamb. There was a dynamic of God's presence that whoosh came in because we were focusing, I believe that's the reason, on who he is. It's not that the other songs had been wrong, they were fine songs, but there's a different dimension released when we, we come to glorify and magnify God himself, I believe. Worshipping him with all our hearts, of course, is all part of this. And uh, that's the first and greatest commandment, Jesus said. Worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. So giving ourselves to him in worship um, is all part of hosting and uh, ushering in, so to speak, his presence. Can I just say, there is a unique place for a sacrifice of praise. When you really don't feel like expressing worship to Jesus is the time you can bring the most precious worship to him. I'll never forget standing next to my mum in church, in her local church where she worshipped for 60 years. The week after my dad had died. And she's there in a church which is not charismatic at all. But I just noticed out of the corner of my eye, she's there like this singing. I thought, that is beautiful. That is a unique expression of sacrificial worship. And you have, you have examples of that in this church right now. So when it's tough, when I just don't feel like worshipping him today, do it anyway. That is the most precious offering and sacrifice you can bring. Those are the three big ones in terms of how do we host the presence of God. I got nine other points which I'll have to... I've actually run out of time, haven't I? Okay, invite him in. Recognize his presence. That's about sensing him. Ask him for discernment. Um, like when I said to Angela, I think you need to play the keyboard. Acknowledge his presence. Publicly, that really helps raise people's faith. Wait in his presence. Don't rush. Make space. Whether it be full silence is fine. Empty silence isn't discerning the difference. Um, Responding to his presence. I'll tell you one last story um, on that. I was in Kensington Temple years ago, and I really learned something from Colin Dye. Meeting of a thousand people in the notices, they're giving a notice about a mission trip to Albania. And he, Colin Dye suddenly, suddenly step, steps up and he says, Hang on a minute, there's an anointing for the ministry to Albania here right now. If you're involved in praying for Albania or on the mission trip, come to the front. And as the 30 people came to the front, they got about this far and bang, the whole, they just couldn't move. They just fell on the floor under the power of God. And I thought to myself, I would have missed that. He discerned something in God that he wanted to do right then and went with it. Now, I don't know what, there was a consequence because, oh, how, he's taking time out of the message. Or are they going to have the meeting? Is the meeting going to finish late or what? I don't know. 
but they went with it. They responded to his presence. Pray in his presence. That's one of the ways that the Spirit's presence can be ushered in with anointed prayer. Um, Play in, as in musically. We've talked about that with Angela's one note, uh, with all her skill. Um, Use anointed spiritual gifts. I've got loads of stories I could tell you about that, but I haven't got time. Um, be specific as you can. I said, go ask God for the specific. That would be what I'd say, because the words of knowledge that will touch people's hearts in lives individually, the more specific they are, the, the, the more powerful it is. Um, and then number 12, follow leadership. That's a biblical principle. God tells us to do that. Um, and so... It's, it's a difficult job leading meetings. It's, most people say it's the most difficult job in the church because you're trying to handle all sorts of different things. There's lots of things to take into account that rightly should be taken into account and getting that balance is not easy. Um, so bear with your leaders as they seek to lead you forward. Uh, they'll often get it right. They may sometimes get it wrong, inverted commas, but actually let's bear with one another in love and God will grace you because... Together, you are becoming a dwelling in which he lives by his spirit. Can I just pray for you? Jesus, we want to thank you that it's your heart's desire to dwell amongst your people intimately. The curtain was torn in two. The way is right open. And by faith, we step in. We step in. And I pray that your grace will be on us uh, this evening, uh, through the rest of this weekend. And as, as we go forward together, to step into your presence and know the reality of that personally and together more and more and more and to see you do all that you want to do as a result. To your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you.